20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Happy NFC Championship Saturday, everybody. It is the Pack a Day Podcast. Your Saturday crew, I am Jason Perrone of Game On Wisconsin, Pulse of the Pack, Quick Slants Podcast, and Pat the Pack a Day Podcast, along with my usual trio, while well, I'm part of the trio, Mark Eckel of Packer Report and Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express and Cheesehead TV. Mark Eckel on the East Coast. How are we looking? We're looking good. Um, weather-wise, we've been in the mid-50s, I guess, most of the week, uh, which for January 23rd is pretty good, I guess, right? I mean, it's a lot colder other places. And Paul, tell us just how cold it is. I hope it's like really cold. As Aaron Rodgers says, I want it to be really cold. <laughs> It, it, the last few days actually have been really cold. It's the coldest it's been uh, this year up here. It's been, you know, highs in the teens, low twenties. There's a wind. Uh, it's when you walk outside, it's it's uncomfortable. Uh, the Sunday's game, though, it is going to warm back up slightly. I think around kickoff, it's high twenties. Uh, with the wind chill, it might be low twenties, high teens. So it's going to be cooler than last week, that's for sure. And we are getting snow Saturday night. However, I think it's going to be out of the area late morning or so. So I, not that I've seen, is it going to be happening during the game? But it is definitely going to be colder than what it was a week ago. Yeah, temperatures dropping, chance of snow, mid-20s during the day. But, of course, that's going to drop quickly by the time the game is over with. And this is the first of the two games. But by the time the game is over with, it'll be dark. Temperatures will be dropping. So the Packers will get a little bit of that weather advantage, something Aaron Rodgers has never had. An NFC Championship game at Lambeau Field. His wish has come true. And the Packers are one short day away from defending Lambeau Field as they will host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, led by head coach Bruce Arians. And, of course, nobody can forget the maestro on offense, Tom Brady. That will be coming in. So Brady versus Rodgers, it's the dream matchup for the NFL, NFL fans alike. And as we always do when the game is on Sunday, we have the injury report. And, guys, fortunately, it's a very quick conversation, and that's not uncommon this time of year. Guys are... Willing to play, they're they're toughening up, and and you see guys going when they might not normally otherwise go. Although lately, I think the injury report's been pretty light. Kingsley Kiki's been out for a couple of weeks with the concussion. He won't play this Sunday, unfortunately. He's already been ruled out, so Kiki's still dealing with that. Thoughts are are with him. If it's a head injury, obviously this is uh, the third week in a row that he's missed, and that's that's significant. Yeah, I think I believe this will be his third game. Third game and fourth week because they had a bye that he that he has not played. So it, that's got to be really serious. It's concerning. Jay Sternberger had the same thing. Had a concussion. He was out multiple weeks. He didn't and come back and play. Just a day and a half with a concussion. Well, and and so that's to my point. The NFL and and teams. Interesting things happen this time of year. That's that's really all I'm going to say. But Kings of Kiki is the only Packers player ruled out. Kevin King added as questionable. He's got a back injury. Head coach Matt LaFleur said on Friday that he was going to give King the weekend to see how he feels ahead of game time. It sounds kind of concerning. Kings are starting outside corner opposite Jair Alexander. Now, the Packers did make a move to fortify the cornerback room, albeit not a direct replacement for Kevin King, but old friend and... Veteran cornerback Tremont Williams is back with the Packers. He was released by the Baltimore Ravens earlier this week and is eligible to play and sign with any team that he wants. So since the Packers are just taking everybody's leftovers and Tremont Williams is hardly a leftover, he is very much revered in Green Bay. It's good to see the high riser back. That's his Twitter handle back in Green Bay. So as far as the injury report goes, it's pretty light. On the defensive line, Kingsley Kiki is not going to go. They've got Damon Snacks Harrison, who can at least jump in there for a few snaps. He's not going to replace all the snaps, I don't think, that Kiki would play. And then you've got Kevin King with the back injury. Mark, we've talked about Kevin King many, many times. And one of the biggest knocks on him is his ability to stay on the field. And here we are once again. Biggest game of the year so far for the Green Bay Packers. And Kevin King has a question mark next to his name. Yeah, and he has to play. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't want to 
belittle a back injury. I mean, you know, but he had, I mean, for his own well-being, I mean, for his own future, I mean, he, he's going to be a free agent um, come March. And you don't play in the NFC Championship game. That's a, that's a not, I mean, that's not going to help him get any. He's already lost a ton of money, I think, this year by missing games. And now, if he doesn't play in the NFC and again, listen, if he can't go, he can't go. I'm, I don't want to, I'm not a doctor and I'm not his boss. I don't know how he feels, but I, I got to think if there's any way he can play, it would it would really be in his best interest to, to be out there playing. I think he will. I think I if I'm betting right now, betting Kevin King's going to play. He doesn't not want to play. Oh, no, it's not about want. I'm just saying he needs, I mean, he needs to do whatever to, you know, he Again, it's a back. I mean, you know, I, I guess there. I mean, I'm hoping he'll be, be he'll be getting treatment. You know, all day Saturday. Um, you know, whether it's seeing a, a chiropractor. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the back injury is. I mean, the um, the floor made it sound like it just kind of acted up on him or something. Um, yeah. So it could be spasms. I mean, like, it could be anything. Yeah, I and I and it, I know the guys want to play. Sure. I, I just it, it does. It is it is pretty common this time of year to see. Various things happen. I mean, magically, all of a sudden, we get down to the final few playoff teams and no cases of COVID. And I'm not saying that anybody would have tested positive, but Patrick Mahomes is going to play on Sunday. He didn't finish the game last week against Cleveland. So it's the playoffs. Different things and interesting things happen. But it was interesting last week that against the Rams, um, I mean, Donald played half the game, and Cooper Cup. I was shocked when they said Cooper Cup wasn't going to play. Yeah, you guys surprised? I was a little surprised. I, yeah, I yeah, I was. I, I was. I was. I was surprised. Yeah, I mean, because it's 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 do or die. But then the week prior, they're going to go with a backup quarterback instead of Jared Goff when Goff's been leading the offense all season long, and you're going to lose, and your season's over if you don't beat Seattle. In Seattle, so that was a bold decision there too. So the Rams just, I guess, handled it handled it their way. But Paul, same thing. We've talked about Kevin King before. He's very important, and I think Mark, correct me if I'm wrong, but Kevin King was one of can't remember in recent one of the recent shows that we did. He was either a an X factor or a, a I can't remember what the category was, but I don't want to understate the importance of having King out there. Obviously we all know about Jair and what he can do, but Kevin King is, is going to be equally important. Now the Buccaneers will not have Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown ruled out with a knee injury, so he will not play, but you've still got Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, Brait at tight end, the rest of their wide receiving crew. You need all horses. You need all horses at corner. Yeah. Tampa's got some good receivers now. I mean, Mike Evans is, is their number one, but they have some other, they have some other guys that, you know, I want against the Saints. That rookie from Minnesota stepped up and had a and, and Tyler Johnson, catch. Scotty Miller. He made an unbelievable catch. That that the Johnson from Minnesota. I mean, that was. I still can't believe. I still can't believe he caught that ball. But so they. I mean, they have people and Brady. And Brady's always. Brady is always. I mean, he has. You know, he never. Had, I guess a couple of years he had Randy Moss to one year and couple guys but he's you know he makes receivers a lot just like Aaron Rodgers he, he makes his receivers better than they really are um so Kings I mean it's really important I mean the Packers are so paper thin at cornerback anyway I mean you know Josh Jackson hasn't even dressed for about a month you know Holman was out with didn't dress last week I mean it, it's they actually went with three corners last week right they went with um well I guess Redmond was he can play corner, so I guess he would be he he would have been the fourth. Um, if King can't play, they're down. The Williams would have to be activated and play, and and you know he he, he might be there two or three. King didn't hope, well, King didn't play in the first game, too, right. Paul, and, and so Josh Jackson filled in and he did okay in certain spots, but in coverage, it's not what you want in the NFC Championship. No, my hope I was going to say my hope is that this is just precautionary. I mean, it sounds like it's something that popped up and. Backs can be tricky. Uh, we know Kevin King has a history with injuries, so that's my hope, and my gut says that he is going to play. It's the NFC Championship. King's in a contract year, as Mark had already pointed out. 
as long as he can, you know, move, um, I think he's going to take the field on Sunday. He's going to be important. I mean, this season's been up and down from him, for him. He's missed some time. He's had some rough stretches, but he's had some decent ones as well. And with Jair Alexander shutting down half the field like he is, King or whoever the other out-wide corner may end up being, they're going to be targeted heavily. I mean, King's been targeted 18 times in the last two games between the Rams and Bears. That's a lot. Uh, he's given up 14 receptions, but he's only allowing eight yards of catch, 40 yards of yak on those completions, and he hasn't given up a touchdown. He's he's in that solid stretch that I had mentioned right now. And Jackson, during the first time they played the Bucks. He gave up four receptions on six targets for only 17 yards, but one of them was a touchdown. He was called for two penalties. We know penalties have been a bugaboo of his since he entered the NFL, and I believe one of them was on a, a, a fairly deep pass that set Tampa up for a score that followed. Um, he did contribute in the run game as well. So, I mean, Jackson was fine on spot duty this year. He wasn't uh, I mean, he had his same issues that we've seen pop up, but the Packers need Kevin King this week. It's the NFC Championship. It's go time, and as you guys pointed out, Tampa Bay has a ton of weapons for Brady to throw to. And one other thing I wanted to touch on was with Kingsley Kiki. I think that I really wish he could have played this week. I know he's made his impact uh, as a more as a pass rusher this year. He's got a couple sacks, some um, key pressures in some games this year. But just having him be able to mix in with the run rotation would have been helpful as well because the Buccaneers ran the ball 30 times against New Orleans, and that was in the Dome. And they ran it 26 times the week before against Washington. So coming up to Green Bay, I'm expecting kind of the same formula, a heavy dose of Ronald Jones and uh, Leonard Fournette. So I think it have been helpful. And also I'm hoping that we see more snacks because of that. Snacks was on the field for three snaps. Yeah, he was barely week. out there. He, he he played twelve <laughs> against the Bears, and they were good. They were good twelve snaps. He didn't fill the stat sheet. Like I don't even think he recorded a stat. But that's not what he does. You know, he eats up double teams. He busted into the backfield on two of those running plays. Frees up the linebackers. I mean, Snacks' presence is felt more so by the other guys than looking at the stat sheet at the end of the game and going, holy cow, look what he did. So I'm hoping that we see him more just because I really, like I said, I think Tampa's going to run the ball because that's, that's what they, that's what they've been doing. I think that's going to be their MO moving forward. You know, the interesting thing about that formula that you mentioned there, Paul, is that if you think about run support, Jackson might almost be not in coverage, but Jackson might almost be the preferred corner because that's where I think he's good is up in the box getting in the backfield, making plays there. Kevin King isn't as sure of a tackler. I mean, Kevin King has has missed a tackle in every possible way twice that can possibly happen. And look, there are some corners that just aren't known for their tackling. They're, they're not, I mean, look at Deion Sanders. Now, Kevin King is not Deion Sanders, but Deion also was not a tackling corner. He didn't want to mix it up and get in there. Wasn't really into that, but... It's it's a passing league, and ultimately it's Tom Brady. So when the game is on the line and it comes down to it and the Bucks need to score, they need to make a play, Ronald Jones is great, the running game is great, but it's the ball's going to be in Brady's hands and the Packers need Kevin King out there. And and the other thing you have to take into consideration is, is if the Packers are fortunate enough to have this thing kind of wrapped up before the end of the game, which I don't think is going to be the case. I, I, I think it's going to come down to the wire. We could possibly be looking at overtime in a matchup with these two teams. But then you want King healthy if, uh, when you're playing for a championship two weeks later. So worry about that when that time comes. But Kevin King, really the only the only name here that is listed as, as questionable. Most everyone else practiced in some way, shape, or form. Mercedes Lewis did not, but he's a veteran and has, has taken days off of practice all season long, so that's nothing huge or majorly noteworthy. The other thing to keep in mind, guys, and I'll just ask you for your thoughts on this real quick, is if Chris Barnes has to play with the club again, he had a chance at an interception last week against the Rams. Don't know if he would have caught it if he didn't have the club on, but he definitely couldn't catch it with the club on. So you have one hand wrapped up. We've seen guys try to play with this before. I know that Nick Perry's played with the club. I know that I, I remember back in the day, Nick Barnett played with the club. Seems like all the inside linebackers at one point or another have to club it up. 
Any concern there in terms of your green dot and him working with one and a half or one good hands, Mark? Well, yeah, you you would love to have him. Like you said, he. I think he would have had the interception. I think. I mean, he he almost had it with the one hand. So, I think if he doesn't have the have the club on or the cast, whatever you want to call it, um, I think he would have had the interception. I also think he may have been on the on the one touchdown run where the guy kind of ran through him. Again, I think he would have been, it would have been he would have been better equipped to make that tackle because he he's not a guy that usually misses tackles or gets run over like that. Um, so yeah, he's playing. It's a big disadvantage, obviously playing one handed. So um, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm I was just happy that he was able to come back on the field. I, I when when he hurt the thumb, I thought he might be out for a while, and as it turned out, I think he he, he only missed like four or five snaps. Um, I mean, Chris Barnes has become a very um, key player on the defense, and it's it's not a coincidence that the, the the defense got better once he became that key player. Uh, he's he's pretty good. That, that was a heck of a find, getting him as an undrafted free agent out of UCLA. Um, yeah, I mean, I I hope maybe they can trim the club down, or again, it depends on on how the thumb is. I mean, they'll have something on it. I, I think it'll at least be wrapped if it's not the, the whole big you know cast club again, but. But we'll see. I mean, hopefully, like I said, hopefully he'll, he, he can get a little more out of that other hand. Uh, I want to touch on uh, what you guys were talking about, snacks, only playing three snaps last week. I think part of that may have been the Rams' tempo offense because they were going they were going tempo to, a lot. And I, don't, and, and I think the reason was that the Packers couldn't get subs on and off the field. And That's a good point. I think snaps kind of got buried on the sideline, not being able to, 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 to get it get in the game very often. Well, that makes sense. And the Packers would have been without timeouts very quickly in that case, because you don't, right, you can't, he's, right. no. he's not the, he's not the kind of player. And I don't, I don't know if Tampa will try to follow that formula or take advantage of that in some way, shape or form. The Packers still did. Okay. But this is Tom Brady. It's not Jared Goff. So it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how Tampa tries to attack this whole thing. Paul, as far as run support goes, Chris Barnes, he did get yeah, Cam Akers did kind of run him over there, dragged him into the end zone. The Bucks are, are Bucks are getting paid, too. They've got a chance to make history here and be the first team to play a Super Bowl in their whole city. Any concerns about Barnes and in the run game and, and being out there for his, his regular duties while he's got that club cast on? I mean, it's I know we're not doctors, but, you know, we've talked about it from a pass uh, pass defense perspective, but in run support or just in general, your thoughts on, on Barnes playing in the middle there and, and whether we might see a bit more of a rotation, maybe we see a little bit more of Kamal Martin. I think uh, Mark hit the nail on the head for the most part. It's, you know, especially trying to catch the ball. It makes it a lot more difficult. Um, tackling as well, he's just going to have to be a lot more, you know, conscious of fully wrapping up because he's not going to have one hand to kind of, you know, as you're wrapping up and you try to grab, he's only have one hand that he's going to be able to grab with. But overall, I think, I don't think it's going to affect his playing time or anything like that. I mean, he's been the Mike linebacker since the Carolina game, I believe. Um, you know, he's been the green dot signal caller, Mr. Do it all and that for those linebackers and Kirksey is what has benefited as well by switching to the, the weak side role. Um, so I think it's still going to be the same Chris Barnes out there for all of the game, if he can be, or a majority of it, it's going to be hindered slightly, but I, you know, it's NFC championship game. He's on the field. I still expect him to be the, you know, the playmaker that he has been overall. Yeah. Chris Barnes was a heck of a find Mark to your point. An undrafted free agent, it seems almost like Brian Gutekunst took a page out of his predecessor and his mentor's playbook. And this is a perfect segue into some conversation about Ted Thompson, who we learned, unfortunately, earlier this week passed away. He was a huge part of reviving a Packers franchise back in the early to mid-2000s that was floundering. They were winning games and doing okay, but after 2004, 2005, it was clear the Packers needed some life, a new direction, and Ted Thompson was brought in to lead the charge. Mark, you watched a lot of Packers football. You've watched through all this transition, Paul, you too, but Mark, I know that 
you had your your thoughts. You, you were probably I don't I can't imagine anybody who was happier that Mike Sherman was not going to be the general manager of the Green Bay Packers and Ted Thompson was arriving in 2005. So talk us through talk us through that moment because you had to be a pretty happy camper. Oh well, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know anybody that's listened to our show through the through the year, um, I'm not the, Mike Sherman's my least favorite Packer coach ever. I just, uh, I just coach and general Matt, my God, as a as a general manager, he was a good coach. That's how bad a general manager he was. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's the best thing Ted did was when they brought him in, um, they they got rid of Sherman as being a general manager and just made him a coach, and then Ted got rid of him the next year anyway. Um, and then he hired Mike McCarthy, which was. You know, not the sexiest hire. Um, you know, Mike had been an assistant coach with the Packers at at one point. He was a quarterback coach under the one year under Ray Ray Rhodes. Um, you know, he was a Morty Schottenheimer disciple, I guess. But you know, he wasn't a big name. He he wasn't a guy that. Um, but Ted saw something in him, and between the two of them, and a guy named Aaron Rodgers, who Ted made his first draft pick. Um, Packers won a Super Bowl, so you know. Well, the thing about about Ted Thompson is, you know, he didn't say much to the press. Obviously, he, I, you know, <laughs> Brian Gutenkust in, in one press conference probably has said more than Ted did in all of his press conferences co- combined. He just wasn't a, you know, he he wasn't an ego guy by any means, and not that Brian is. I'm just saying that he he wasn't comfortable like around the press a lot. He didn't really want to. He, not, he, he was a scout, and he like, that's what he said all the time. I just want to go out and watch players and pick, you know, do the draft and stuff like that. And he was, and he was early on was very, very good at it. the last couple of years. You know, I think I don't think he was himself to be honest with you. Um, but he, you know, he <laughs> he did a lot for the, for the Green Bay Packers, and and you could tell just this week. You know, after he he passed away, so many players, so many current players, former players, I mean, everyone from stars like Aaron Rodgers um, to guys that, like, you know, fringe players coming out. Uh, a guy, a Tom Crabtree, you know, coming out on, on Twitter and, and, and all over the place just thanking Ted and, and coming out saying what a, what a great guy he was. I mean, I, I was overwhelmed by myself reading all that, saying, wow, I mean, this guy was really, really loved by... By the, by the team. Yeah, he was revered by many. Uh, the draft, we all know the draft picks. I mean, it would take us an entire show to go through all the draft picks and the few big free agent signings he made. They weren't many, but they were very impactful. Charles Woodson, Ryan Pickett, Julius Peppers, probably the three biggest. If you don't count some of the undrafted free agents that turned out to be absolutely spectacular, one of which. Sam Shields and Tremont Williams, and they they both and Tremont blossomed. Perfect timing, 2010 turned into a great outside corner opposite Charles Woodson. Sam Shields in the nickel probably helps the Packers more than any other player in the NFC Championship game against the Bears. Has the final interception to seal it. That's an undrafted free agent who wasn't even a defensive back in college. He was a receiver. Ted Thompson put in countless hours watching tape. I said it on an earlier Quick Slants episode this week. Ted Thompson scouted players at schools that are probably not even uh, not even a- around anymore. I mean, these schools are probably defunct at this point because that was how deep he looked for that diamond in the rough. Paul obviously watched a lot of Ted Thompson's Packers football. It's it's hard not to absolutely revere the man, you know, for not only bringing the championship to the Packers 10 years ago, but this team still has a lot of Ted Thompson DNA in it, and, and he absolutely deserves a lot of credit for what they've accomplished already this season and what hopefully they can still accomplish with this next game. Listen, folks, the Super Bowl is coming up, and sure, we'll all be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for 
every game across all professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the team's professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. And you can even track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code PACKADAY. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code PACKADAY, all one word, to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. Yeah, I mean, what else is there to say that hasn't already been said about Ted and uh, just the type of person that he was and what he did for the Packers organization? I mean, <clears throat> imagine the I'll, I'll use the word guts to keep it PG, but imagine the guts that you had to ha- Ted had to have his first overall draft pick ever was Aaron Rodgers while Brett Favre was still here, and then a few years later having the guts again to stick with Aaron Rodgers and basically tell Brett Favre, you know, when he tried to come back after retiring, this is our guy moving forward. Um, I mean, tremendous, tremendous guts. And then his drafts throughout the years have been uh, remarkable. These Packers teams, they were, they were homegrown and they still are. I saw a stat today that of the four remaining teams, the Packers have the most uh, drafted players on their squad. As you said, Jason, a lot of, the key players on this team are from Ted Thompson, Rogers, Clark, Lindsay, Devante, uh, Tunyon. Um, yep, exactly. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, Jeff Bakhtiari. I mean, I know I miss, I know I miss some as well. But, yeah, pretty much. But what I encourage, um, any other listeners out there to do is go read some of the articles that were published this week. Uh, Jason Wilde wrote an excellent one, uh, with the state journal, I know Rob Demosky posted one that he had written a few years back. There's just a lot of great content out there that shows you. We we saw the product of what Ted produced on the football field throughout the years, but there's a lot of great articles out there that highlight who he was and how much how much he cared, like deeply, deeply cared about the Green Bay Packers and their success. I mean, it's what drove that man. And so go out there and read that stuff. It, it's tremendous, and it's a great tribute to him. Uh, Jason Wildey gave a nice tribute on Wildey and Tausch earlier this week, too. He broke down a little bit, and I don't blame him for it. He apologized on Twitter. That's Jason. He's, he's you know, very, I, I don't know what the word is. Uh, and I just tweeted back at him and said, we're all crying. There's no reason why you have to apologize for feeling emotion that somebody isn't here who did so many nice things and so many good things. And I think one of the, the issues that Jason had was, and you guys know, there's a faction of the fan base out there that didn't care for Ted Thompson because he wasn't the flashy GM that was throwing money out around all over the place at free agents. And you look at some of the things that Brian Gutekunst has done this season and some of the moves that he's made. Now, all of them have happened towards the end of the season when you can play pay, uh, pay players on a prorated basis per week. It's not as expensive. When you bring in Snacks Harrison in late December, early January, I mean, all these things have happened in January. Snacks Harrison, Jared Valdir, Tremont Williams. These are very inexpensive moves and simple to make based on the rules this year of players being on the practice squad, players being released and being available. And you've got some fans that are saying, why couldn't Ted do something like this when he was a GM and make a, a big signing to give the team a, a boost down the stretch? And that really isn't isn't what has, has happened here. And the, and the thing about Ted was... He cared so much about the players that he drafted and he had his own career that he he played through and had some struggles through. He was a blue collar type player and he was going to give every one of his guys, the players that he drafted, that his his scouting and personnel team, guys like John Schneider, John Dorsey, Reggie McKenzie, who all went on to become general managers, did the hard work and putting together to find these players. He was going to give those guys every chance to succeed. And that's one of the reasons why and sometimes, sure, to a fault, because nobody gets it right every single time. He would he would give those guys the nod over a proven veteran that we all would have loved to have seen. So, And let's not forget, too, Ted was in a lot of conversations. We just didn't hear a lot about it, because like you said, Mark, he didn't speak to the media much, and he was not sharing anything with anybody. Let's, I mean, I don't know if anyone remembers, but apparently the, the, the Packers had a deal in place 
for Tony Gonzalez at one point, and the Chiefs backed out and kind of screwed Green Bay in that deal. I don't remember all of the details there, but they had a deal in place. He was in conversations, deep conversations, with Randy Moss back in 2007, and it was Moss's camp who decided, well, they they wanted two years versus one year, and, and Ted Thompson was also concerned about Donald Driver at that point and how he might feel with Moss coming in and some of that stuff. And there it is right there. Like you said, Paul, he cared about his guys. And hey, if you're coming into this locker room and you're coming into coming to this team, these are the expectations. And that was one thing you heard a lot of this week, too. Ted was very clear with his expectations. He wasn't the the most emotional guy. Uh, you know, it was it was the stern look and a handshake. And that was kind of his way of showing emotion. But did a lot of great things for this franchise, and I'm glad we all had a chance to to kind of pay tribute to to the work that he did. Mark, any other stories or, or final thoughts? I mean, well, do you you, you 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 covered the yeah, you covered the team, and and maybe had had a chance to meet Ted or had some conversations. Well, yeah, with him. well, yeah, I, I got a short story, but first, let me just add a name um, similar to what Brian did this the end of this year. You said picking up guys at the end of the year to you know help. Well, Super Bowl year. 2010, he picked up a guy named Howard Green off waivers from the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Green had a pretty big impact at those that last month and, and and in the Super Bowl. It was Green that got the pressure on Roethlisberger that caused the, the, the interception early in the game. And Eric Walden at outside linebacker. And there's another one. Yeah. So he, I mean, he didn't he didn't go after the splashy like he said. He and it's funny that he didn't because when he did, he he, he got it right. Like he said, Woodson and Pickett and. And you know, Woodson and Pickett were, were star. I mean, superstars for that. For that. Julius Peppers. And then Pepper. And then years later, Peppers was very good. So when he did it, he did it right. He just didn't like doing it. I guess I don't know. Oh, uh, he. Well, he, I mean, he developed his whole thing was draft and develop and pay your guys. Why should I go pay another guy? I'd, I'd rather keep my own guys and, and pay them. And that's that was his belief. And you know, for the most part, it, it worked. I mean, Packers were very successful. They, you know, only one. People say, oh, they only won one Super Bowl. Well, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. I mean, a lot of teams don't even get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, there are teams that are under – I mean, look, the Cleveland Browns. I mean, they were good this year. They were but they were god-awful for how, how, how many years? The Buffalo Bills are finally good now, but how many bad years in a row did uh, they have? So, you know, the Packer fans should be happy that almost every year your team has a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Almost every year. You know, a lot of teams can't say that. And – uh one of the reasons is Ted Thompson draft picks like Aaron Rodgers, like like you said earlier, Paul taking the, taking a shot on on Aaron Rodgers when you already have Brett Brett Favre. So I I did make my my short little story is I forget the year because um, years blend together. It was sometime I, I'll I'll give you a, a range. It was after 2005, but before 2010. It was be, be before the Packers won the Super Bowl, um, but. The Eagles were playing the Packers, and I, I was doing the um, the pregame, the Eagles pregame radio show. Not the Eagles, but the, the radio station had a, had a pregame show, and I was on it. So I had to get there real – I got to the stadium, like, really early. So, you know, I, I would get there, put my stuff down, and then but the, the pregame show was held, like, not – like, right outside the stadium. So I'm, I'm there, and I'm putting my stuff away, and I'm maybe grabbing a bottle of water or whatever, and – here comes, the, you know, I guess the Packers had, had arrived there in the locker room. Well, Ted, Ted's in the press box. And it's just me and him. Like, there's, like, maybe a couple other PR guys around, whatever, but it's not many people there. So I walked up and just, I introduced myself to him and um, told him that we, we, we knew some common people, which he kind of, like, oh, yeah, you know him. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're good friends, blah, blah. And um, he was very, like, very cordial. And, um, you know, I, I told my cover team a long time, and we got talking a little bit. And then I kind of, kind of like sheepishly <laughs> admitted to him that while I cover the Eagles, um, I've always been a Packer fan, you know, from a little, from when I was a little kid. And, and he, and he, he kind of like, I, I think he kind of liked that because he smiled like, and he kind of like, Oh yeah. I said, yeah. So I said, you know, I'm, I, you know, good luck with what's going on here. And, um, and we, and I'll, I'll say this. So I, I, I got, I wish I, I could re- remember the year. I, I'd have to look it up to see whatever year the, the Eagles played the Packers in Philadelphia. Um, but anyway, um, the Packers have played the Eagles. They played them a bunch of times in the, in the years coming, or the years you know after that. And he remi- every time I'd see him, he he'd come up and say, "Hey, Mark, how you doing? What's going?" You know, like that. And that meant, I mean, for a guy that wasn't 
media savvy or media friendly, that, that kind of showed me something that he, A, re, not just re, remembered who I was, but, and my name, which is, you know, I'm, you know, coaches and general managers and even players deal with so many guys in the media that, you know, you don't always remember a guy's name, especially with a guy that you don't see every day. You see me once every two, three years, maybe, but every time you saw me, he, you know, I'd get a, a little, you know, handshake and a, how you been? How's things going? You know, I, I, something, you know, it, 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 like I said, it's not a big time story, but it, it meant something to me. Well, what's cool about that, though, and what doesn't surprise me is if he can find a player out of, as Bill Johnson, formerly of the Green and Gold Today show with Jason Wilde used to say, East Directional University. <laughs> And, and can remember that guy's name. He's he's going to remember Mark Eckel. You know, that's the thing is, is that a lot of people just didn't know Ted because he wasn't outward and, and wasn't really in the in the public eye. So he's got this Packers team kind of started off. Brian Gutekunst has finished the deal, and the Packers are now in the NFC Championship game. And guys, we were doing this same show last year at this time, and. I don't want to speak for either of you, so Paul, I'll start with you. It just feels different this time. I I feel much different, and it's not just necessarily that the Packers are playing at home. That's important. There is just a much different vibe surrounding this team. I don't know if if you feel the same way or by how much, but for me, it's a very, very, very measurable distance different with what this this team and how this team feels in 2020 versus 2019 and they both fin- both finished 13 and 3 which is which is kind of noteworthy when we talk about how confident are you in this team versus last year in the NFC championship now you're 100% right and actually on a Friday with in, in a group chat with some friends of mine I actually said you know going into this game last year and I think on uh, Pulse of the Pack with Jason and Jacob, I um, we made our predictions, and I picked the Packers to lose. I just, going out to San Francisco, I just didn't see them coming away with that win. I mean, this year is the exact opposite. I expect this Packers team to win. This offense has been the, the best in the league, production-wise, for the entire year. The defense is peaking at the absolute right time. Uh, there's just a different vibe, a different feel with this team, and it's at Lambeau Field. Uh, Bruce Arians can say all he wants that the weather doesn't matter. The weather matters. The footing matters. The Packers practice in this. They live in it. They go to the grocery store in it. It's different. You know, cold weather affects every player differently. There's going to be Buccaneers players who are just fine, but there's going to be some who aren't. You know, it's it's different. And so I think that, you know, those three factors, and one thing I want to touch on, I know it's been talked about quite a bit this week, but what happened in week six has absolutely no bearing whatsoever. doesn't change my confidence in this game. There's definitely things that you take away from it. It's definitely things you learn from it, but it has no bearing on this week whatsoever. And I think the Buccaneers are actually a good example of this. They went 0-2 against the Saints this season, including a 38-3 loss in mm-hmm. November at home. Mm-hmm. And what they do last week? They won in New Orleans. So it, uh, it what happened in week six doesn't matter to me. <coughs> Like I said, there's things that the Packers need to learn from it. The offensive line handling those blitzes, uh, you know, maybe running more in between the tackles and outside, getting more pressure on Brady. I think that's going to be key this week as well. He, you know, every quarterback stats drop when they're under pressure, but his plummet. So that's going to be a key as well. So there's things to learn from it. But this Packers team, this is a different team. It's a different year. This is the best offense in football right now. And like I said, the defense is cooking as well over the last five, six weeks. Even though the final score was not pretty at all. The Packers did have a 10-0 lead in that game the first time around in Tampa in Week 6. When you think about the 49ers team last year that the Packers faced, it was a very, very good defense, an elite defense, and an offense that had some weapons and a quarterback that was able to manage that offense. I look at this Buccaneers team, and I see a defense that's not quite as good as what the Niners had last year, but they're very good. And on offense, the Bucks are better than the 49ers version last year. Now, the Packers gave up a lot of running yards, and, and some might argue with that and say, well, the Bucks aren't going to run for 200 yards against Green Bay. And gosh, I hope not, because if they do, the Packers are in some big trouble. But this is probably, and Mark, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I guess I'll ask you. Your confidence level this year versus last year, I, I think we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but this was not 
the matchup that most Packers fans necessarily wanted. You mean no. when you're when you're playing in the oh, NFC Championship, worry. when you're playing in the NFC Championship game uh, or any conference championship game? I don't know that it's Tom Brady that you want under center exactly. on the other side. Exactly, exactly. I, I was oh man, I wanted Drew Brees here in the worst way because he's done, and he showed how done he was last week. But I wanted him. I wanted Seattle. I wanted anybody but Tampa Bay. I know I didn't want Tampa Bay. And, and again, Paul, I, you, you made me feel a little better. Um, and I want you to call me a half hour before kickoff <laughs> on Sunday just to, just to make me feel better again. Rally right? up. So, All right, you got it. So please, please call me a, a, a half hour before the game. So uh, 1.30 your time. Uh, <laughs> because I tell you, I have two – my confidence level – I thought the Packers were going to win last year. I did. I thought – I figured – I knew San Francisco beat them up during the season, but I, I bought into that. You know, they got them now. I, you know, that was a little blip. They went out there. They weren't ready, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, don't get them this time. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I never thought Raheem Mostert, who's a great kid, by the way. I, I actually did a story on him for, from NFL.com this past offseason. Great guy that does a lot of good things for, for charity and stuff. Anyway, um, I never thought he'd run the way he did. I, I, I didn't see that coming ever. But um, so I, was, I was confident last year. I really was. Um I have two bad deja vu coming to me here. One is, it's like last year. The only team that really handled them all year was the 49ers. Then they had to play them again, and they handled them again. But the only team that, I mean, the Packers could have easily been 15-1 and this year. Easily. The Viking game, a couple of, a bad, I thought a terrible call or non-call. Um, on the, on their last drive, when they they threw a flag again, a pass interference and picked it up. Um, I think the pack if they get that call, I think the Packers would have gone on and scored and won. And then the, the uh, Colts game, you know, a fumbled kickoff and then MVS's fumble, or I think they would have gone down and won that game. So they could easily have been fifteen and one, but that one loss was was they they had no they did not play well that game at all. And here we are again playing the same team. So. That's my one sense of deja vu that I'm trying to get rid of. The other one goes back to my days in Philly when the Eagles played Tampa Bay in the NFC Championship game, and it was real. It wasn't. It was about. It was about the same temperature. It was. It was cold. It was. It was below freezing, and all of us wrote stories about what Tampa's record was in games below freezing. And at that point, it was oh and whatever, and we all thought. And you know, we all thought. You know, there's no way Tampa Bay is going to come up here to Philly in this weather and 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 beat the Eagles, and and they did, and they it wasn't even close. Um, and so I have that sense, I have that in my mind too. So um, I'm 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 very I don't want to, I don't want to use the word worried because I I used that earlier, and Jason told me I'm I'm always worried. Uh, <laughs> But I'm concerned. I'm very con- and then Tom Brady. Yeah, I don't want to play Tom Brady in a, in a championship game. One other thing I wanted to add, um, Mark, because you said that this year, you know, last year they got blown out by the Niners and had to go mm-hmm. play the Niners. This year they got blown out by the Bucks, had to go play the Buck or have to go play the Bucks. This year, what went wrong was proven to be an outlier. The okay. Packers' offensive line struggled, and they struggled with the blitz particularly. Uh, ben Fennel tweeted out, they haven't given up a sack on a blitz since that game. Uh, Rodgers had two turnovers. Rodgers doesn't throw turnovers. Aaron Jones wasn't able to get going. Aaron Jones is always able to get – there were just so many things that happened in that game that they've shown were just – outliers anomalies like hadn't ha- haven't happened since then last year the Niners game I mean the biggest thing was uh stopping the run but that was an issue all season the Niners right. did what everyone thought they were going to do so that's another reason that I feel I guess confident you could say I mean it's going to be a tough home. game and, and yep, it's at home and you know not that they're going to blow them out it's going to be a hard-fought game and the Packers could lose I mean the, it's the NFC championship the Buccaneers are a good team but Everything from that week six game was just so weird that I just can't read a whole lot into it. And since then, this Packers team has done basically everything in their power to prove that what happened then is just not this team whatsoever. Whereas a year ago, they got ran over by San Francisco when they played in the regular season. They got ran over by them 
Um, Literally. In the championship. Yep, exactly. They got run on between that game, between those two games, um, and things like that. So I just – that's just another another reason. It might be a small thing, but it's just another reason like it. that they can handle this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, here's a stat that I like, too. Um, this is, you know, it's Tampa's third straight road game. And it's and, and not only that, everybody knows that because they had to go to Washington, they had to go to New Orleans, now they have to go to Green Bay in the playoffs, which is not easy. But it's also their fifth road game in six weeks. They were away. Oh. They were away. The, um, they were home the last game of the season, but prior to that, they were on the road two weeks. So they're, this is five road games and sit without a bye either. They didn't get a bye. So five in the last six weeks, they've been on the road five times. I just know from traveling, covering the team, all that travel gets to you. And I wasn't playing. I was, you know, covering games and you get tired flying and, and being away from home five, five out of six weeks. So I'm kind of hoping that that's where it's on them too a little bit. Yeah, and those are, I mean, going from Tampa to New Orleans and Tampa to Green Bay, those are multi-hour Tampa flights. To Tampa to Washington was, isn't around the corner either. Nope, multi-hour flights. You're coming into a different time zone, all sorts of different things. The Packers, that was the biggest reason. That was the biggest thing about getting that one seat, especially in this year of the year of COVID, is don't have to get on this incubator and sit in it for two hours with players having to try to stay healthy and get somewhere just to play a game. Just sleep at home. Stay in your comfort zone. Stay in your, like Paul said, stay in your favorite grocery stores and your locale and and call it a day. So the only thing left to do now is pick this one. I think we're all leaning in the, in the same direction. I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. I could see Tampa coming out and maybe throwing the first punch and everybody saying, oh, everybody talked about how this was an anomaly and, and the Packers, are they have to win and they're so much better now. And Tampa comes out and makes a game of it and everybody's in panic mode. And I mean, I just, it's the NFC Championship game. It's Rodgers-Brady. I just don't see any way that this turns into a lopsided affair one direction or the other. So, Paul, we'll start with you. I know you've got the the Packers winning this game, but what are you thinking in terms of a final score? Because then there's also the matter of how many points are each of these teams going to be able to put up with two good defenses? Yeah, it is. It's two good defenses and two of the higher scoring offenses in the NFL. Packers were first and Bucks were third or fourth at the end of the regular season, something like that. But obviously from my my rant here recently, you guys know I'm picking the Packers, and I'll go uh, 31-28. So you think it's close? Okay. Very, very close. Hey, Mark, how do you got it shaking out? I got 28-27. Ooh, 28-27. So you've got a one-point game. Paul's got a three-point game. I've got it. Bruce going for two and not getting it for the win. Who do you you have winning 28-27? Oh, Green Bay. I'm sorry. Green Bay. (laughs) 28-27 Packers. I wasn't sure how worried you were. (laughs) <laughs> so so the Bucks go down and they score, and if they convert a two-point conversion, they win the game, and they don't get it in game over, and the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. Either that or... Oh, my God. That would either, be the most nerve-wracking thing ever. No, no. How about either that or... Uh, give me a guy. How about... Um, the special Lowry teams blocks the field goal. Blocks the extra point. No, they blocked the extra or point. Extra point, yep. Sorry. Well, you know, back in... The, last, the only time the Packers played Tampa in the playoffs was in 97 it was the 96 season but the game was in 97 and uh, i read that article of yours as well oh, thanks and yeah well the, the a key play early in the game that it was both teams started three and out then tampa gets the ball they drive in the field goal range and bob kaberski a backup defensive lineman for the packers um who's a philadelphia kid actually um, what's that Said fan favorite. Oh well, yeah, I guess he was. Wasn't he? <laughs> uh, I don't know. He was. In, I think he went to Naval Academy, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, he blocks a, um, the Tampa Bay field goal attempt. Green Bay goes down and scores after that, and never and never looked back. But I mean, if if they make that field goal, who knows? You know, could be a different game, right? Tampa gets the lead three nothing. They're feeling good about themselves. Instead, they block it, go down. Packers go up seven nothing. They wind up winning twenty one seven. So. I just thought I'd throw it out there, too. Hey, some good vibes. Good vibes. So I, I have a 31-24 Packers. Okay, so we're all in the same ballpark. I don't know how it's – I'm not going to sit here and say late touchdown and make it look closer than it really was. I don't I think that's the case. I think Green Bay – I think it'll be tied, and I think Green Bay is going to have to find a way in the fourth quarter to get in the end zone. But they've got this guy – who catches passes for them, and you can pick which war, which direction I'm going with this because it's it, it could it could be 17, could be 85, but one of the two of those is going to end up being a hero for this team in one way or another. And I've I've got more money on 17 than anybody, but 
I think the Packers pull it out 31-24. If it, if it goes down the way Mark's got it, yes. I don't know if there's enough. Uh, I don't know what calming over-the-counter medication that there, there could possibly be, but there's going to be a, a, a run at Walmart on uh, nerve relaxers because there's going to be a lot of people in, the, in Wisconsin and in Green Bay who are losing their mind. So, well, guys, the next time we get back together, it is either going to be a jubilant bye week celebration of the Packers season that was and prepping for a Super Bowl and some offseason awards, or we'll be sadly looking ahead to the next season and what what went wrong at Lambeau Field on Sunday, and hopefully that is not the case. So because it's a special game, special weekend, Mark, what's going on over at Packer Report? Anything out of the out of the usual for conference championship weekend? No, um, like Paul mentioned, I, I had a story up uh, that's up there now on the, the only the last time and the only time they they played Tampa in the playoffs. Um, I actually called it. I, I always do an instant analysis after the game, and I'll, I'll be doing that again Sunday. But I, I actually called this a distant analysis since I went back in time enough, but I did it the same way. I picked an offensive hero and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then I'll do, you know, I'll, I'll write after the game and then we'll see what happens. If they, if they win, I'll be writing. I'll be looking ahead. Like everybody else will be writing Super Bowl stories. And I'm, I haven't done that in a while. So I'm kind of hoping that I can do that again. Uh, if not, we'll be, we'll have to start turning our attention to the, to the draft, I guess. Absolutely. And Paul, you've got uh, two places to to accommodate here. You got Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV. Are you do you have it teed up either way, kind of like the beat writers do? And then you have to you know pick which one you're going with based on the outcome and what's happening at, at either spot. <laughs> uh, well, folks, I have a lot of stuff for you. So most of it's at Dairyland Express. I spoke with Rob. He writes for the Buccaneers. So I did a behind the enemy lines asking him five questions. It was really cool. Just got some added insight into this team. I uh, did my three X factors. I went, went back and rewatched the week six game uh, and came up and wrote about five things that went wrong. So if you want to relive that and <laughs> check all that out. No, no. <laughs> um, and then at GSET TV on Friday, I wrote uh, the key to this game for me anyways, is getting pressure on Brady. And I talked about that a, little, that a little bit on this show. And then once the game ends, we'll have instant takeaways. And then for the week, we'll see what direction we're heading. It's basically polar opposites, either gearing up for the Super Bowl or doing some sulking. One or the other. And I get to lead the charge either way. So, Everybody, there's only one thing left to do. It's four quarters of football. It's Rodgers, Brady. It's Arians, Lafleur. Pick a, pick whatever matchup you want. Gronk versus whoever. It's Packers, Buccaneers for the right to go to the Super Bowl in Tampa. And I said to Jake Westendorf on the most recent edition of Quick Slants, let's win this game. Let's have the Packers win this game and, and go ahead and hop on the plane home with the Buccaneers and give them some big shoulders to cry on all the way back to Tampa as they're sulking that their season is over and Green Bay is celebrating a Super Bowl and a trip to Tampa for bigger and better things, which is another Super Bowl championship. So, guys, it's been another great season. I'm not, not at all saying that it's it's over, but heading into a one more do-or-die game. Everybody enjoy the weekend. Stay warm. Stay safe. And it's an NFC championship. Go Pack Go!